This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title from Kate Pierce, Sweet Talking Rancher. Everyone in rancher Danny Miller's life wants to know how he feels about his teenage flame returning to Morgan Valley. Danny wishes he knew. After the disastrous ending of their relationship and Faith's choice to leave town all those years ago, Danny's rebuilt his life without her. But he's about to have a very practical reason for needing her in it again despite the very impractical desire she inspires once he lays eyes on her. Faith McDonald hadn't planned on returning home, but with her dad retiring, her help is needed at the family veterinary practice. She's hoping that by now, folks have forgotten what happened between her and Danny, even if the two of them never can. With a mystery infection decimating the Miller cattle, she and Danny soon find themselves on the same side for the first time in forever, There was a lot of trouble in their past, but the good parts never really flamed out, including their intense attraction. And their shared determination to cure the cattle might just lead them to healing of their own and a whole new all-grown-up future. Kate Pierce is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author known for her unconventional heroes and her joy for subverting romance cliches. She was born and raised in England, but after acquiring a degree in history and barely escaping the British civil service alive, she moved to California and then to Hawaii with her kids and her husband. A member of RWA, she writes novels in several genres for Kensington, Penguin Random House UK, Rouge Romance, Karina, and Kleiss Press. Along with being a voracious reader, Kate loves trail riding Western style with her family. She can be found online at katepierce.com and on Twitter at Kate4Queen. That's Kate with a K, for the letter for Queen. You can find Sweet Talking Rancher by Kate Pierce wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting fire hose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we end with something hopeful. If you are enjoying us, just a little reminder to tell your friends, your co-workers, your family, whoever you think would enjoy us, just let them, let them know. Um, you can also rate and review us. Uh, a recent five-star review we received from Podcast Lover with, looks like a, at least, uh, I can't count those exclamation marks right now, but there look to be <laughs> about it, about 10. Um, says, great show, very informative and great chemistry. Love it. Well, we'd love to hear that Podcast Lover um love love to hear it love to hear what everyone has to say and as always feel free to give us a follow on twitter instagram facebook if you're if you have a facebook (laughs) in 2021 apparently it's not the thing anymore um but you'll find us at feminist without mystique on instagram and fwm podcast on the other platforms Yeah. yeah You can find us. I saw someone was screen sharing recently. I think it was like some like meeting where I honestly didn't recognize she had her, she had a Facebook for the business up and I was like totally disoriented. It didn't look like, I mean, I haven't had one since late 2018 and I just feel like, Oh my God, that was the interface looked so different to me. Yeah. 
time Facebook moves on with or without you. <laughs> Doesn't need you. Apparently. Apparently. Yeah, has, oh my it's been gosh. interesting to watch the change of, of the Facebook. Of the Facebook. Yeah, my God. Of the Facebook. It's really now just see like major life events of people, which is nice to see like big family outings and weddings and shit. And then there's just like kind of miscellaneous there's like a few people I feel like who still are regularly using it and I log in every day but I don't no one's really I don't know anyway I digress they're just sort of it seems like well it is funny because sometimes I'll hear people say like oh well yeah I saw that on Facebook or I you know it's kind of like there's still a whole group of people who are on every day Mm -hmm. but not really active actively interacting just kind of observing yeah just sort of lurking and like there's a couple groups that I'm like the buy nothing group in my area and things like that but Mm -hmm. I'll get a notification that there was something new in the group and that's kind of what gets me there anyway yeah I digress we're not here to talk (laughs) about Facebook (laughs) we we are not um but yeah it does seem like some of those things are like high utility and there are some podcasts where they're like oh check out our facebook group where we have x y and z going on or discussion you know it does make me feel like oh i kind of would check out that community if i didn't have to if it wasn't tied to a facebook account which i'm just i'm not going back she's she's done no poking her (laughs) (laughs) she's outie um yeah well today we're gonna talk about (laughs) covid um yeah because Things things are happening. Um, things continue to be happening. Delta yeah. variant is she's something else. Um, the daily average of cases on August twenty third was one hundred fifty thousand six hundred twenty five. Fourteen day change up twenty nine percent. Also increases in hospitalizations and deaths. Um, deaths up ninety one percent in that fourteen day interim. This is nationwide. There's different. There's different trends in different areas, but no, I haven't really seen many places where it's like great. Um, Like the county (laughs) I work in has 60 something percent vaccination rate. Um, So not the best, but, you know, not (laughs) some of the worst. And we have now hit our case rate is the highest it's been in the entire pandemic, um, including before vaccinations were a thing so that's like quite quite a thing to think that we have the vaccine and now we're hitting case records um Mm -hmm. which i think partially speaks to you know delta variant and just how how transmissible she is um yeah i mean we know that it replicate replicates a lot more quickly in your body that Compared to the regular <laughs> COVID, it is um, more likely to result in breakthrough cases, which is people who are vaccinated getting COVID, um, not necessarily getting super sick. The numbers of you know ICU admissions and deaths are still much higher among unvaccinated people, but vaccinated people can t- potentially be vectors of spread, and you've got unvaccinated people who are just dealing with a more transmissible virulent little buddy hopping around um it's they haven't figured out exactly how long it takes to pass from one person to another but they scientists have been like there can be some like fleeting 
transmission like you're passing someone you know it's just super transmissible not quite as receptive to the treatments it seems um and yeah really just really getting out there and getting getting passed around um Mm -hmm. with it seems fervor it seems to be yeah so it's uh cases have gone up hospitalizations deaths it's been um, bad, and uh, maybe it'll plateau soon. But even if so, we're at a high. We need we need decreases, and we are seeing increased vaccinations, um, mm-hmm. pretty much everywhere. But so far, it hasn't been enough to curb curb what's happening. Yeah, it's at least heartening to see that there's the daily vaccination rate has risen substantially compared to early or mid July mm-hmm. when it seemed like every you know vaccination rates were at an all-time low but there was still more optimism that we were sort of moving past things people were planning to get back into the office to open up schools as as planned um but it's definitely feeling like uh, especially in Washington state where there's now an indoor mask mandate back in place again um like it's hard not to feel like we're moving um, backwards or, you know, the progress is, is, is slowing. Um, And with the spread of Delta lending itself to, I guess my, my concern is like there being a worse variant that's going to like spin off of Delta because it's so transmissible. And because there are so many people who are getting it and, lots of breakthrough breakthrough cases and unvaccinated. Um, and it's, it's, uh, so there's kind of like, for me, there's that concern that just sort of lives out <laughs> kind of just like orbiting my brain at all times. But the other thing that I think is super discouraging for people for just like the lay person is this like, you're already kind of battling the fatigue of like having to arrange your life and figure out where, you know, what your risk assessment level is on, you know, with friends, with strangers, with family, outdoor gatherings, indoor gatherings, you know, what are you, what are you really willing to do? And that's based on your own personal decisions, what's in your life, like other people, you know, compromise possibly or whatnot. Um, But you know, yesterday, just listening to, or God, I don't know if it was yesterday, but the New York Times had a daily episode that was basically like answering parents' questions specifically about um, going back to school, um, all sorts of questions. Um, and the answers from the woman who was their science science reporter uh, were great and nuanced and empathetic and helpful to a certain degree, but it just sort of hammered home for me just stepping back and realizing like, oh God, there's just, there is still so much we don't know. This is an ever-changing situation. Um, we can have an, a sense of where things are going and in two weeks or a month, it's going to be different. Um, and it is just such a period of sustained chaos in everyone's lives. It's 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 hard not to feel just cu- like on a, just a cumulative effect of deep frustration and fatigue And that is from coming from, you know, I feel very privileged to feel like there's, you know, I have not really been, knock on wood, affected too deeply. I'm able to work from home. And thankfully, no one I know has had any serious complications from COVID. So, um, and, and so I feel like I'm in like the 
echelon of people who should be able to buck up and not be super fatigued by this or frustrated, just like, and, and I, I think generally it's just kind of living in the background. It's fine. But I think with the, um, the combination of the indoor mask mandate in Washington, which I, I understand and I think like, and I support, it's just like, you know, between that and listening to the New York times, basically people are looking for not able to give concrete answers when people are looking for concrete answers, because really, unfortunately, if anyone says they're coming to you with like the, uh, um, a solution that works for everyone in this instance, it's just not, um, that's not where we're at in the, in this phase of the pandemic. Like, because there are vaccines, there's like, unlike this time last year, it was like, well, there aren't vaccines. So you shouldn't be doing all these things, blanket, end of discussion. This is for everyone. Now it's like, Ooh, well, do you, you know, think about all these different factors. So, you know, what I've basically just been rambling about is not really a hot take, but just the feeling of like frustration that people trying to go and get the best information from scientists, from epidemiologists and medical associations, and then from, from reputable news sources are struggling to get um, clear guidance uh, period. Yeah. It's um it's challenging because it's like the <laughs> data precedes guidance. Um, we are living in real time and collecting data and seeing things, but it's, I feel like in some instances, the guidance is behind the data, like for a while and still there wasn't really a change in definition of close contact. If you're vaccinated, if for instance, you caught it from someone vax, if someone vaccinated was your exposure you know, that would tell mm-hmm. you, okay, this is likely a strain that can cause breakthrough infection. Maybe you should quarantine. You know, it's, they've been slowly changing guidelines and things, but it's, it feels like thing real, real time is happening too quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's challenging. You know, we just found, and yeah, Delta is like 93% of US cases now. It's, bon- it just exploded. Um, mm-hmm. But it is hard knowing like what, what to do. It just came out that, um, the Pfizer vaccine, which is pretty similar to Moderna, um, slight difference, but similar babes, the Pfizer vaccine after six months starts to wane in effectiveness. That doesn't mean after like six months passes and you're not protected anymore. It just means they're starting to notice, okay, there's a decrease in your immunity at this point. <clears throat> That's when it starts. So they've approved, which I'm past that now because as a someone who was going into outbreaks, I got vaxxed um December January and so my little pregnant mm-hmm. ass is like oh fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> right I'm past the threshold but that also means they've you know they've said you can get your booster shot eight months after which I mean in, on one hand it's kind of devastating that there are parts of the world that can't that want vaccine and can't access one round of doses mm-hmm. um which isn't to say I don't think we should not offer boosters if we if that is the the best, safest, healthiest thing to do, which it is. And I'm going to get, get one, but yeah. it, you know, it does sort of Delta came from another country, you mm-hmm. know, um, we can, I think be more helpful in the, the global, uh, sphere than we are, than we are being. Um, yeah. but I mean, I'll certainly be getting my booster at eight months. Um, cause like you and I were talking about, like I'll be about a month away from my due date and, um, yeah. 
that'll be good, you know, for one, me not being COVID positive and like having pneumonia during labor and two, <sighs> passing some immunity on to the little bebe. Um, Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely glad that they're offering that and, you know, things are moving along on the vaccine front. Um, Pfizer on Monday finally did the full FDA approval for people 16 and plus um, still emergency use for 12 to 15. But there were a lot of people yeah. or at least a lot of people reported who were hesitant to get the vaccine because it hadn't been FDA approved. Um, mm-hmm. and it was, but it was anyway. So now <laughs> if you're 16 or older. <laughs> That's not a reason anymore. They think they'll have it for kids between 5 and 11 by the end of 2021, late fall if we're lucky. Um, and mm-hmm. both Pfizer and Moderna started trials for kids as young as six months old in March. They could have the results of those trials as soon as September. Um, so there are still like things. Movement is happening on the vaccine front. Good things are happening. Um, there are also some... <laughs> some you know areas areas for improvement this real report card but yeah. overall i think um vaccine things are looking good um it would be nice if there were higher increases in vaccination rates um, yeah because in some places it's like yeah it's increased but like barely and right. hospitals are filling up icus are filling up um places are over full with patients over capacity and understaffed it's a just i would say disaster waiting to happen it already is a disaster in a lot of places yeah um you know in people who get hospitals are freaking out um health departments it's just been it's been chaos utter utter chaos i mean and how do you like i am you know feeling It really, I struggle with this, but if I'm really like searching my soul, I feel I'm, you know, every day more strongly that the people that have chosen not to get a vaccine, despite all of the information available and all the different entities trying to to distribute vaccines, if those people are taking up ICUs that you know, someone in a critical accident needs or someone who has, you know, other, if they're blocking people from getting treatments for emergent things um, or other like cancer treatments, or if, you know, it is deeply distressing to me that people who are eschewing science and basically saying like, I have, I have made a personal choice, not, not, I'm going to take on this risk. Well, then when it comes time for you to burden the healthcare system, you know, you're taking up a, a lot of time and money and you're, you know, kind of putting everyone else at risk too with your like highly infectious COVID um, complications. I, I feel like there's a part of me that I do feel like, okay, is that deeply inhumane of me? But I, seeing these stories, which I know get a lot of clicks. So I feel like maybe it's, it's a lot of, there are a lot of news stories. It's like, so-and-so said, fuck you to the vaccine. And then was on, like, there's that guy, Phil Valentine, that was the radio, super conservative radio host, um, who my uncle has listened to for years. Like, um, and I have had, you know, he sent me links from this guy, like since I was in, I don't know, high school. So I'm, I'm like sort of, fleeting, have a fleeting familiarity with this Valentine radio host. And he 
didn't get the shot. He didn't get the vaccine. And he was in the hospital in the ICU for almost a month. And then he passed away from it, which is tragic. But it's also very frustrating in 2021 with all the resources in, in, in the United States where we have all this access to all these public health resources, all of, you know, we have a, a glut of vaccines ready to give out. Um, and really it comes down to people like this promoted ignorance and, um, you know, which I think stems from the gross political climate that we're in. Um, and so I, I, I do struggle with those feelings, but it is, uh, it feels deeply unfair that people who have decided to say fuck you to the vaccines for whatever reason, then are monopolizing in, um, crucial life-saving equipment for, for others. Yeah. It's hard to see someone who has access, if someone has access to the vaccine and access to information about the vaccine, um, it's kind it's, it's a little harder to, to muster up as much empathy um, because how many, you know, cause they're in a, a neighboring County. There was someone who recently died of COVID who was vaccinated because they were a transplant recipient. You know, it's like there are people mm-hmm. who can't get vaccinated or people who, um, you know, the vaccine isn't as effective for, they're still at high risk who are put in danger by the, these people. And it's like the, like the drunk driver analogy has been done to fucking death but yeah it's yeah. like the people who are like it's my personal decision like it doesn't in fact you if i get vaccinated or not but it's like yeah but if you're choosing to like drink and drive that's your mm-hmm. choice that's what your body yeah. but it impacts everyone else on the road because you know you could hurt somebody else um yeah. you know if you're choosing not to get vaccinated when you know that one you know that it, it, you know makes you way less at risk for serious um, infection and also makes you less likely to catch it at all. Um, Mm -hmm. So yes, there are breakthrough cases, but you're still less likely to get it if you're vaccinated. So it's just, it's hard because it's like, what else do you need? You know, like running, there's, yeah, the FDA approved non-just emergency, not just emergency use now. So like, Mm-hmm. For all y'all. Which at yeah. least leaves the way for mandates, which I know creates even more of a political firestorm. But it's like, well, now a lot of places can really legally mandate them mm-hmm. with more authority. And yeah, that's a good thing. Definitely. Like we've we're going to have to have you know healthcare workers and things like that um, be vaccinated by the end of October or October 17th, 18th. I'm not sure. But um, there are mandates and it's they're talking about different places mandates in schools for teachers to be vaccinated and things like that which Mm -hmm. i think is great i mean you look at the increases in outbreaks in daycares and summer camps the summer school i am nervy um for the 12 and under crew who's definitely not vaccinated um because i just feel like schools are going to be constantly shutting down because they're going to have so many cases and they won't be able to determine, you know, okay, what's the spread? We need to shut the classrooms down. And then, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, I think a hot mess of a fall. Um, I don't want it to be, but I think it will. And I think things like, yeah, the booster shots will help because a lot of, 
you know, you're seeing in breakthrough cases, a lot of healthcare workers because they're around it and they had some of the first vaccines, you know. Right. So I think the boosters will help. I think the mandates will get vaccinated. Some people will just refuse, but I think that'll get numbers up. So I think there are things counteracting this rise. I just don't know um, how much, you know, I don't know what's going to win out because I I feel like fall is going to be a hot ass mess. And then you have some places where like we live in a state where good old governor Inslee loves science and he, you know, he's pretty good about, (laughs) he's been pretty good. I've been pretty, pretty pleased with his responses. um, Yeah. Overall. But then you have places where the elected officials are just, are doing things that are so counterproductive to ending this. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's again, like often with the like, Oh, freedom vibe, but like we do live in a society and, uh, public health is there's there's different rules that apply to public health. Um, like it's in I think yeah Texas, Florida, Arizona have all banned school districts from requiring mask wearing. Yeah, um, great. like not even letting schools have the choice. You know, they're when we know second to vaccination. You know, if you have to be around people, mask wearing helps. It really does. And if you also, if you don't have, well, I guess they probably do their investigations differently, but like if you don't have barriers in place, the amount of close contacts with each positive child is going to, it's going to go up. And it's, if they're not doing that, they're probably also not following like other best practices for keeping kids safe with ventilation and things like that um, and barriers and all, all the things. So it's, you're going to see like these like blatantly political moves um, because I think their base is going to like it. Mm-hmm. It's just going to like harm children and their families and yeah. going to be utter, utter fucking chaos. Like not even letting a school say that you need to have masks. I mean, because they do have exceptions for people who have medical reasons. They legit can't wear a mask, which is very few fucking people and people very who have <laughs> religious objection, which I don't know what the religious objection is, but I'm not a, an expert of world religion so they already have those exemptions in place though so it's like even if a school has a mandate for masks if it's not if you shouldn't wear one you won't be wearing one but most people should fucking wear one you know Uh, yeah uh, these leaders quote-unquote leaders just killing their fucking constituents it's what a strategy I know, I know. It's like how many times does you know hashtag death DeSantis have to trend for people to like you know at least, at least one more time. <laughs> I mean, but he loves that. He loves it. He's trying to be like Trump. I mean, it also was interesting that uh, Trump, it seems like Trump said something about getting a vaccine or like vaccines work. And then Alex Jones like was like, is Trump like fake? Like, you know, and was like going to yes. battle, like had some strong words for Trump. And so I just thought, Ooh, a little bicker, bicker fight between Alex Jones mm. and Trump. I have time for that. Yeah, I saw. I didn't click it. I wish I, but I had seen a headline about Trump getting booed at like a rally kind of vibe. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like they're eating their own. I mean, he yeah. fostered all of this vaccine hesitancy, and now he, I think, like I don't know if it's for like legal reasons, not that he ever gives a shit, but there's you know, or maybe he just feels like, oh yeah, because I did get the vaccine Mm -hmm. and had access to all of that. Maybe I should just say, you know, I don't know what his reasons are for actually advocating for the vaccine Mm -hmm. months and months after he 
left office and could have set a positive example at that time. But for whatever the reason, he has said he's been advocating mm-hmm. and um, his his folks are uh, his 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 sheeple are not happy about that. Um, but, you know, again, he created the monster. He and Fox News. Um, another place where, you know, masks are required and vaccinations are required. And yet they continue to like just blast the airwaves with a bunch of propaganda it's so they're so transparent it makes it so frustrating like how are y'all like watching this reading this and thinking like yep that's that's it that's the truth like you just really don't look into anything or think critically i mean i'm sounding like a real jerk i guess but like how do you even if it's your only source of like if it's what you're used to as news it's like how can you hear all those things and not think like hmm, maybe I should look into this or what are they saying yeah. everywhere else? What do scientists say about science? I'm interested, Tucker, but <laughs> oh going to follow up with with the experts. I don't. I just it's bonkers to me. And it's like, are you really going to be the downfall of all of us? Ugh, please, it would be so typical. It would be typical. It kind of feels like we're living in Pan Am from The Hunger Games. I mean. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that um, I took for granted would be like okay in my life. And I feel like just generally, general like scope of my life. And I, I was sort of hoping, fingers crossed, there wouldn't be a pandemic, um, you know, that money would be like the way it has been mm-hmm. and that we wouldn't have to rely on some sort of cryptocurrency <laughs> um, if like all the banks collapse, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> um don't know what to do with that. Yeah. And like maybe global warming, we'd be able to curb it. Um, and like we would all be working towards like a more progressive society and helping democracy thrive and get better and healthier. Mm-hmm. And instead, it really feels like um, none of that is on the agenda and maybe the opposite. Um, so it's been, um, yeah, there's a lot of frustrating things. And it it's, um, I oh, I, I like, I sent you a picture yesterday that I found. I had unearthed oh, a sticker from. Yes, throwback. Yeah. I mean, I found a sticker from the weekend that we met campaigning for Obama in 2008. Um, and it said North Philly for Obama. And I really kind of just stood there and was and was like looking at the sticker oh. and thinking about that moment in time. We were little wee freshmen. Hopeful, at Emory hopeful Hugh. babies. We were. Oh, I mean, be the change. Like, yes, we can. I yes, mean, no, I know. Be the yes, change is <laughs> gone. Be the change but... is. Uh, what was that? Who? Who's be the change? Um, was it Gandhi? Be the change. Oh yeah, the quote. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I was just thinking there was like some sort it felt of felt like an Obama quote program, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway. <laughs> um. Yeah, it is like yes, we can. The whole sentiment of yes, we can. And Michelle Obama's when they go low, we go high, like that whole, those sentiments just hit different at this point. Um, I feel a lot more hardened and, and, and sad and a little bit bitter. Um, Just thinking, thinking about all the ways in which like I uh, took for granted that the world was progressing in a certain direction um, and the ways in which I thought uh, I, I thought differently of just like the broad, broadly the American people like kind of and and how we maybe would be becoming more of a globalist society and I remember like 
my mom and I were watching some daily show segment right before Obama was elected. And he was interviewing, they were doing that thing where they interviewed like a bunch of kind of rednecks. And there was this woman who was like talking about Obama and she was like, I ain't voting for no Hussein. And like we were, my mom and I were like, whoa, but there, I just vividly remember thinking like, well, thank goodness that person is like very much in the minority Ugh. and like she's never going to have power again in that way. Here she is. And we just didn't – And like Marjorie Taylor. About, well, we just didn't see that coming. You know, we didn't see all of this coming even with Sarah Palin and the Tea Party and all of that. Like it didn't feel threatening. And now – Every sing, like everything feels kind of cataclysmically threatening to like the foundation of democracy, trying to move towards like trying to understand what is like true in the world. Um, it just kind of feels like and as as uh, feels like my, my boyfriend, I've been saying a lot, uh, feels like everything is like held together by a piece of tape right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at. And it's with the pandemic just not really being in, in the in the past, as much as we desperately want it to be, it, it only furthers this frustration and this um, this feeling that everything is being held together with a piece of tape and we're all very brittle and um, it's a very divisive environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just too bad. It's too bad that we can't all kind of come together um, to tackle this pandemic. You know, it's, it's too bad that public health broadly can't be prioritized. Um, we have to sort of cling to the, these like selfish, um, quote unquote, kind of like American ideals. Like it's my decision. It's like, okay. I mean, I also think about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's quote, um, from, I think it was a dissent on a, a case about contraceptives where she's like, your right to swing your hand ends where the other man's nose begins. You know, it's kind of like you, like your right to like sneeze all over people and not get a vaccine, even when that's like in the interest of everyone, literally like global public health is, you know, it ends where the other man's nose begins and the other man's nose, like we're all here and our noses are, you know, we're all- <laughs> there are a lot of noses. <laughs> there are a lot of noses. We're trying to your, say. <laughs> your face is hitting our noses. Your dumb Hands are hitting everyone's noses. Keep your hands to yourself is what we're saying. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was, gosh, Obama. That went off the rails. Yeah. (laughs) We were 17, 18, and it's like we saw Obama's election. We were stupid little little women. We saw his election as like, (laughs) yeah, a a move, a, a real movement forward as if we couldn't move back. Like we didn't see it as like one pull in a game of tug of war. We saw it as like a beautiful path and the sun is shining and we're moving in this direction being like naive little mm-hmm. bebés um yeah. not thinking about the like mm, where there's you know push and pull like we're gonna take yeah. however many steps forward now but like better believe we're gonna be taking a lot back and <laughs> donald trump's gonna happen and um you know those people that we thought were vocal minorities are not such a minority um mm-hmm. i am interested i don't mean this like sassily at all i'm interested to see how um covid debt like how the people who are choosing to be unvaccinated in some of these places where they're tending to lean republican because of this like political difference in um ideals like i wonder how that's going to affect like the voting electorate like are we going to have like Mm -hmm. a 
less Republican voters due to COVID killing them. Uh, I mean, it kills everybody, especially before vaccines were a thing. And a lot of the people who are forced to, who are essential workers, um, Mm -hmm. you know, were marginalized people. Um, And now we also have a lot of, you know, white conservative people who are opting out of vaccines and then they're getting really sick. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's depressing. It's all depressing. And it's like, we didn't have, it didn't have to get this bad. Um, it could, it could have been better than this. And like, when are we going to learn our fucking lesson? Like, it feels like we're never going to learn any lessons. Um, it's just going to be playing tug of war forever. Yeah, so we have Biden now as if that's some great victor. I mean, so but much better than Trump, much better than Trump, much better than Trump. Um, I've enjoyed some of the things his people have done, um, but he's not. There are plenty of mistakes and plenty of things where I'm like, fuck, <laughs> you know. So yeah. it's like I don't want this to be our like. We need more tug of war in that direction. This is um pretty pretty milk toasty quote-unquote progress like if trump weren't the predecessor it wouldn't feel quite as um monumental because he's pretty uh moderate moderate guy you know yeah yeah he's pretty moderate and you know wasn't a big progressive win there <laughs> yeah not a big progressive win and definitely you know as we we talked about in more detail last episode i mean he he is rightfully on the hot seat and it is we are we are really stuck with kind of the consequences of picking someone who is an an elderly white male moderate uh who had his own opinions on afghanistan and um has has now executed them defiantly and unapologetically um and not in a way in which um i think I, you know, just it seems pretty, pretty impressive in a way. I mean, both sides, like and 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 the um, American public broadly thought that we should get out of Afghanistan, mm-hmm. but to actually do that in a way that angered the American public and both sides of the aisle yeah. is like, wow, how'd you do that, man? Really? That's uh... really brought us together. Like we were all behind it. Like even Republican, yeah. like there were even some Republicans who were like. Yeah, let's get out. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just, you know, and I'm not an expert on um, withdrawing from a, a country, certainly, but you aren't. I'm not, I am not, um, did not, no, not, but it, it mm-hmm. feels like there should have been a better, a better way. Yeah, well, he's been so we're pretty just good about of, COVID for the most part. But. He's been pretty good about COVID. He's sort of like I was trying to reserve. It's hilarious. I'm sure you could play back the tape on like every single episode of this podcast since he's been president. And I say like I'm trying to reserve judgment until like more. It's like yeah, right. But I do feel that I, there's like a lot will be able to be told about this presidency. Um, we're only going to know in retrospect, which is like, ooh, again, Maria with like these just like amazing hot takes. But it, I, I can understand why um, it feels like for this moment, maybe if if he can get the infrastructure bill done and the child tax credit made permanent, and maybe some real movement on student student debt, which I think like I'm hoping 
that he's just, it's a political maneuver. He's waiting until closer to the midterms and then he'll be like, zing, it's forgiven. Or like, you know, mm. do something with that. But again, zing. probably not. Yeah, I wish you would just do it zing. now because that's like the cool thing to do. But I'd rather he zing it <laughs> than nothing at all. <laughs> he must zing. I, less, yeah, just, you know, there's, but again, yeah, I, I, he's doing, he has his hands full with the, with the, with the pandemic and um but it's just a tough uh it's a it's a tough time to feel like things are it's hard because i know things are the most stable right now than they've that that they probably possibly could be like we have biden we don't have trump the democrats are in charge in the we house and the had senate Warren. Right, right. We <laughs> could have, have been better. It could have been way better in my in like the universe in which we could elect Warren. Mm-hmm. In the universe in which we could elect would have would have elected Hillary. I mean, we're really stuck with like the uh, the bullshit that this country like will permit mm-hmm. to run the country, and it's enraging. Um, and it, it's also yeah, it's also just like super difficult to hear. I mean. The rhetoric around masks is tough, I think, sometimes because I'm so scared about reproductive health, as I'm sure you are, Mm -hmm. too. Um, And so for people to feel like uh, they can write a bunch of like blustering think pieces about their freedoms being infringed upon for mask mandates when like women broadly are about to have like a huge like their their access to reproductive health care wiped out across like all of the South and the Midwest and you know, the average abortion clinic where a woman could get an abortion is going to be like something like 300 miles away for most for most women or for um, most women who live in like, you know, huge swaths of the country. Um, anyway, it's just like very bothersome that that's uh, that there's this kind of like dichotomy happening. But I'm kind of all over the place today. <laughs> it's just like it's all connected, man. It's It does feel like it's all connected and it's all very perilous. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Great. Um, so COVID's bad. Um, <laughs> and endless. endless. It's endless. <laughs> Hopefully there won't be super Delta, the evolution of Delta that kills all of us and turns into zombies. And um, and also hopefully like Lambda won't turn into anything bad. I saw it. I like, <laughs> no more letters. No more. We're good. We're full. Um you know, we just, we're not, we're not out of this and, um, we're so far from out of it. Um, so I don't know, man, be careful. And if, if there are people in your life who are choosing not to get vaccinated and you can actually have a conversation with them, like do it. And if you're like, they won't listen, just try. I mean, at this point, is it going to hurt? Um, because yeah, as every, every person does matter because one unvaccinated person gets it they die or they pass it on to three people and one of that you know it's just it doesn't one person really does make a a difference when you're talking about these things because of the effect that it has when one person gets infected then infects others and others and others yeah so i don't know outside of i mean yeah then there's the mandate so hopefully hopefully efforts to fight covid will get to a point where we see the numbers start to decrease um Mm -hmm. 
but I don't know. I'm nervy. I'm nervy, man. <laughs> Fall makes me, especially and things will like be more inside because it will get colder. School's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. I don't. In some states, the really bad um, guidelines or lack thereof for schools. It just mm, feels and places already having full hospitals and ICUs. I just feel like. Mm, and it seems like there's kind of a nasty strain of. Yes, it'll get worse. It seems like there's a nasty strain of RSV, like yeah. just making way anecdotally. So many of my <laughs> friends. So my, I went to the Ren Fair, and the, the friend I went with um, a few days later was like, "I feel really sick. <laughs> my roommate's not vaccinated. We both feel sick." Um, and so I was like, "I'm good." <laughs> no. So she went, and I got the the Binax um, self antigen test um it was negative and this is before she tested because i was just like i because i would have been exposed like anyway yeah um, it was good to get the yeah, test but she got like yeah. the she went in and got it tested she was negative um anyway and a few other friends and like coworkers and people have been getting sick but not with covid so yeah there's just things are going around and if you got both that would suck man and still have to get your yeah. flu vaccine when that comes out i think it's some places yeah. already maybe probably not but vaccines you know get them just get all of them wear your mask Mm -hmm. and now for we see you all right we've made it (laughs) (laughs) um so this first one is not i don't think it's shocking it should be shocking it's appalling um there was some investigation done and it was found um, that there was a stark difference in how the government handled the COVID-19 protests against government shutdowns and mask mandates versus how it dealt with Black Lives Matter protesters um, in terms of what people were charged with. Uh, So they analyzed a bunch of criminal cases during that um, time period so they went from may 31st 2020 to october 25th uh 2020 and one of the key findings was that there was a push to use federal charges against pro- uh, protesters and that came directly from trump and william barr so they wanted um federal charge federal charges waged against um these protesters and why that matters uh, so in over 92 percent of the cases where there were these federal charges they had equivalent state level charges that could have been brought against defendants. So even if they think, okay, this is the charge for you, you don't need to escalate it. There's no real reason to escalate it. Um, But you find that 88% of the federal criminal charges that were charged carried more severe consequences, more severe sentences than the equivalent charges um, at a state level. Mm. So basically um, what was uh, suspected has now been illuminated even more that Trump, Barr, his administration had a vested interest in um, disproportionately punishing Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter's protesters, um, you know, to send the message that, you know, freedom to assembly and free speech aren't really a thing if this is the side that you're on. Um, I mean, we saw the police brutality constantly, um, at these protests and now we see that the protesters who were arrested have been you know disproportionately 
sentenced severely. So we see you to, I guess, the federal fucking uh, government in general under Trump and William Barr and to Trump and William Barr themselves. Um, it's again, it's not surprising that they would do that, but it is reprehensible and uh, un-American in the idealistic view of what American would be. Yeah. So we see you. We see you. <sighs> yeah, just shocking news. Shocking. I'm just so surprised. Um, yeah, mine is um, news that I found um, via Twitter, where else? Um, but it is, there is a petition on change.org um, that you can sign if you're interested. Um, it's on behalf of uh, Julius Jones, who um, is on death row in Oklahoma. And Oklahoma is set to resume um, the death penalty, uh, I believe, for the, this year for the first time in six years. Um, but the case for Julius Jones, when he was 19 years old, he was convicted of a murder that he says he did not um, that he did not commit. Um, and there's a lot of evidence that shows that there was prosecutorial misconduct and um, the evidence against him is pretty thin. Um, at the time where he was convicted, he was 19. Um, he was an athlete uh, at University of Oklahoma on an academic scholarship um, and kind of similarly to Anand Syed's case and Serial and a lot of other cases that we kind of hear about that um, didn't get enough coverage at the time. It seems like his attorney didn't uh, adequately defend him and that explicit racial bias played a significant role in the process. Um, some details include that eyewitnesses place um, Julius Jones at his parents' home at the time of the murder, miles away from the crime scene. Mr. Jones's co-defendant admitted to being involved in the crime and is now free after testifying against Julius. He was heard bragging that he, quote, set Julius up. Mr. Jones's co-defendant matches the only eyewitness description of the shooter based on the length of his hair, um, cornrows for the shooter, and Julius uh, did not have cornrows. Um, and uh, newly discovered evidence shows that at least one juror harbored racial pre prejudice um, that influenced his vote to convict um, and sentence to uh, Julius to death. One juror reportedly told the judge about another juror who said the trial was a waste of time and, quote, they should just take the N-word out and shoot him behind the jail. Anyway, um, this story was also included in Viola Davis's docuseries, The Last Defense, um, and it's has uh, this change.org's um, petition has 7.5 million signatures. Um, and it seems like a really uh, it's a really disturbing case. The Washington Post also wrote about um, Julius Jones and his case. Uh, there was this uh, the pro prosecuting attorney, uh, district attorney in Oklahoma County. Um, his name was Bob Macy, and he died in 2011, but he was notorious for being um, one of the most prolific death penalty prosecutors in America. He sent 54 people to death row in his two-decade tenure, including Julius Jones, and courts have found prosecutor prosecutorial misconduct in a third of those capital convictions, according to a 2016 report by Harvard's Fair Punishment Project. And three people that Macy sent to death row have been fully exonerated. Um, Oklahoma County is one of the five worst counties in the U.S. in terms of um, wrongful capital convictions. And um, 
we shouldn't have the death penalty, which is something that feels pretty obvious to me at this point. But the fact that there have been so many people wrongfully convicted and sentenced to death and actually killed at this point um, is heinous and continues to be heinous every day. And um, so we see you to Oklahoma County. And I hope that uh, if you have time, check out the change.org petition. Um, and I hope to follow up with better news about Julius Johnson's case. We see you. We see you. So we have Jonathan Mattingly, um, who is one of the police officers who shot um, and killed Brianna Taylor. Um, he wants to publish a book about what he describes as what really happened. Um, and he had a book deal signed in April with this small conservative, obviously, publisher. But they're distributed by Simon & Schuster, so there was a bunch of criticism, and they said they're not going to distribute his book. He is still raring to go. He is he wants to publish this book. Um, he already got off of any charges against him <laughs> for... He shot six times, by the way, um, mm-hmm. through Taylor's Brianna Taylor's apartment. And he... Yeah, no charges faced. And that's not enough for him. He he now needs to profit off of this murder. It's so wildly in poor taste, to put it lightly, um, to be profiting off of the death of a woman that you shot. Um, kind of feels like you should just take the, the fact that he wasn't charged with anything you know and kind of go with that i don't think he needs to be out here writing books about it um Mm -hmm. we know enough of what happened to know that you used beyond excessive force and you don't need to tell your story not everyone's story needs a platform um particularly yeah particularly when that story is going to harm um other people like the family of Breonna Taylor, the friends of Breonna Taylor, human beings across this country. Um, so Jonathan Mattingly seemed to have learned nothing. Uh, we see you. And fuck you, man. We're not, we don't like you. Yeah, we see you. That's awful. Awful, awful, awful. Speaking of awful, 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 uh, Tucker Carlson. I know we're all so surprised. Um So his newest thing, which is, I guess, incredibly predictable, but also very depressing, um, is blaming refugees for the housing crisis. Um, And so he kind of talks about how... um, that he said when the supply shrinks the cost rises one reason it's happening is that america is becoming a lot more crowded than it ever was and one of the reasons for that is that we're living through the biggest influx of of refugees in american history um that's not true um and vox talks about how rising demand um is due to historically low mortgage rates and the largest generation in American history, millennials, entering the housing market, housing market in force. Um, there's also the fact that in the pandemic, a lot of millennials are wanting to buy for the first time um, and become homeowners after a, after really delaying that process. Um, it's also not true because uh, 
cities like London, Seoul, and Tokyo are much denser than any of America's largest cities. And um, his uh, rhetoric is, of course, like this this xenophobic rhetoric is um, super destructive at a moment where we already are are failing these um, Afghan refugees who were, who put their lives and their families' lives on the line to help um, the cause of democracy and to help nation build. And they really believed in a lot of the nation building, um, democracy promoting rhetoric uh, that kind of began with Bush and like this like optimism that Bush had that that we could build a democracy, a democratic um, nation in Afghanistan. Um, so the whole kind of like cir- circle of this is so gross to me. Um, I don't have the quote in front of the other quote in front of me, but that Tucker Carlson also was saying like, Basically, he and Laura Ingram have been suggesting like, well, how do we vet these people? And and if we're letting in all the, all these Afghan refugees, they're going to like they're going to populate and it's going to grow into like millions of Afghani refugees. And um, it's just like really, uh, really disgusting. And I do try to I, I try to stay away from the the Tucker Carlson um bullshit machine but sometimes it's really hard because there it reminded me and i think Aaron, you saw we saw together the irving berlin the show about irving berlin yes. a couple of years Thanks ago to your father yeah <laughs> yeah my dad got us tickets um yeah there's this great show it's a one-man show hershey felder shout out to hershey yeah. um playing Irving Berlin, and there's this really poignant part where he um, he he plays God Bless America, and that Irving Berlin was a um, a immigrant from Russia um, pre World War One, and he wrote God Bless America because he out of his deep love of this his adopted country, the country that took him in. Um, there's a lot of uh, research that shows that immigrants are um, some of the most patriotic people in in the country that they are ab- able, you know, ex- and accepted by, um, able to live in. So, and I just kind of thought I was just reminded of Irving Berlin and God Bless America because it's it's just a poignant reminder of that. Um, and anyway, so it shouldn't be a shock that Tucker Carlson is using, you know, trying to tie together um, xenophobia and uh, the housing crisis. Um, But here we are. Um, So anyway, that's just a, I'm sure every day we could turn on Tucker Carlson and he could become a we see you. And I will try not to always fall into the trap. But today, Tucker Carlson, we see you. It's always, I mean, it is, he's one of those people, though, that it it feels good to to see, you know, because he's just (laughs) such a little fucker. You're just fuckering about yeah. all over town. Um, yeah, yeah, we could you can see him every week and I'll enjoy it. He's yeah, <laughs> oh, so so self assured. God. Yeah. Anyway, Carrie Underwood, <laughs> get after her. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Carrie. Um, not literally, just like in the you know internet <laughs> way. Um, so she 
I haven't had any problems with Carrie Underwood. Um, I haven't had any, I haven't had, you know, much of, <laughs> much of any relationship with Carrie. Um, but uh, she did something sketch. Um, disappointing. Uh, she liked a tweet um, that was uh, basically Matt Walsh uh, speaking out against the quote unquote cruel and indefensible mask mandate for children. Um, so this is a um, person in Nashville, which is where Carrie Underwood lives and she has school age kids there. And so it seems that Carrie Underwood is uh, endorsing um, the idea that it's cruel and indefensible for schools to say that children of a certain age need to wear masks. Um, it's not, <laughs> as we were uh, speaking about, um, masks are one of the more effective ways to prevent spread. Um, so if we know that something can help potentially keep children safe, how is implementing that cruel? Or not even implementing it, allowing schools to implement it. Um mm -hmm. I just, it's such a, uh, I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm disappointed. I didn't expect more or less from Carrie Underwood. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, you know, I, again, I don't, <laughs> I don't know her. Um, I've listened to that before you cheat song for sure. When it comes on the radio, I'll jam along. Yeah. I don't pretend that hasn't happened. I'm not going to lie about that, but um, yeah, no, Carrie, we're not, we're not here for this. Um, Public safety, public health are, <laughs> these are important things. Um, mm -hmm. Mask mandates. Most people don't love masks. Although I've heard a lot of anecdotes about kids who are like into masks and they like, like mm. showing their personality through their masks and getting like, it's like a fun thing apparently. Like when book covers were for me, you know, remember the, when you had your textbooks and you had the book covers. Yeah. Um, Aww. Anyway, that, that was the connection yeah. I made. So apparently a lot of kids <laughs> don't actually even give a fuck. So like let yeah. those kids wear their masks. Um, and if they do, it's like there are rules we need to follow um, for the good of everyone. It's not like those rules that like girls can't wear tank tops because tank tops are not a public um, health emergency, you know? Yeah. So They're different things. Different things. <laughs> um, mask mandates are not indefensible and cruel. I just, it's quite defensible, I, I find, actually. Um, so mm. we see you to Carrie Underwood. I just, someone, Kelly Clarkson, go and talk to her. Um, I'm yeah, assuming Kelly's vibing with masks. Um Yeah. I feel like maybe maybe Carrie would listen to Kelly. I don't know. I don't have I don't have either of their contact information, <laughs> but I hope that um, one of her um, someone can get through to her. I mean, it's not the most important thing in the world. It's Carrie Underwood, but it, it, there are people who look up to people and take their opinions seriously. So when you have prominent people defending yeah. stupid shit, you know. Yeah. Anyway, we see you, Carrie. Disappointed. Really we see you. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because I was important. saw that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just like, is that a mistake? Did she retweet? And has it been like mm -hmm. within the window where she could be like, my deepest apologies. Oops. I didn't mean to, you know. And even that would have been like, yeah, but, mm, you yeah. know. But she, 
she just uh, Carrie. <laughs> Um, yeah, and my last we see you, and it's just more of a general gripey complainty, um, is about the UN's terrifying climate report, which they released a couple of weeks ago, but that everyone should just pay attention to. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it was based on an analysis of more than 14,000 studies and is just telling us what we already know, but it's the clearest and most comprehensive study of the physical science of climate change. And it talks about the past and where we, where we've come from and where we're going. And they lay out five different scenarios on how humans can affect the future of the climate through actions that we take or don't take uh, now, 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 now. Um, But yeah. So one thing that seemed like, supposedly maybe optimistic is that there is still a window in which we can alter the path. Um, But, uh, you know, we have to take a lot of ambitious steps. Um, And most scenarios just, it seems totally unlikely that we'll be able to curb the warming that is happening. And so we are headed for catastrophic consequences, loss, like huge loss of life and huge loss of, um, you know, planetary resources and where people are, where people are living and just like wide, widespread destruction, disruption. Um, And that, that this is a huge undertaking that we all really need to pay attention to. And so it's, you know, it's super depressing and frustrating that we can't even act in the, in the, for the, towards the greater good and public health uh, right now with a like rampant pandemic um, just haven't been able to, because for some reason people seem like dumber than they've ever been before, even though, you know, we're as evolved and have more access to information and healthcare resources and all those things than we've ever had before. Um, But somehow people are just allowed to be really dumb. Um, And it's particularly unfair that this is something that, for instance, big, countries like the U.S. where we're causing the climate to warm at a, you know, much more than a lot of other countries, for instance, in like South and Central America that are, that are, you know, in the Caribbean and all these other places that are going to, that have been feeling the effects, Puerto Rico, more than us. But it's all coming for us. You know, even in Tennessee, there was like a giant flood that just killed 18 people yesterday. Um, And that's not supposed to happen. The floods that were in the middle of Germany, um, also terrifying and bad. So it is not just for people that are on the coast or on, you know, living on islands in the Caribbean, obviously the heat domes in Washington, there are more hurricanes on the East coast that are you know, making their way further up the coast. Um, so it's just, uh, it's really scary. And um, I really hope we can come together to do something, but I am not feeling super optimistic, but just a, yeah. So shout out to like climate change. Well, uh, you know. <laughs> we see you climate change. We see you. We see you creeping Ooh. along just... Being a White Walker, honestly, who's going to be our winter is coming? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds exhausting. I don't want to be Daenerys because fucking. I know we can't say we can't say we're Khaleesi anymore. Well, they did her wrong. I just actually they totally did. Maybe who knows? I just <laughs> it's so fucked up. Good. Some women still do use Khaleesi even in our it's true. Social I've media. seen it. 
<laughs> I've seen that. Um, so good news. Um, well, one Bachelor in Paradise is back, but you don't care about that. I saw that on Twitter. I saw that that was happening on Twitter. It is happening. Demi's. I'm just anyway. We'll see what happens. <laughs> That's a good thing. It's a great thing, but that wasn't. Um, <laughs> The thing. Uh, so, as of a, a couple days ago, we reached a nice little milestone for the first time in like two months. The U.S. gave over one million COVID vaccines in one day. That is good. Yeah, it's like good. you know that is one million is a, it's amount of people. That's a good amount. <laughs> That's quite a bit. That's a good That's amount. A good uh, and Nancy Pelosi got every fucking Democrat to vote for that infrastructure bill, which I will be stunned if we pass anything. But um, anytime there's something cool there, it's like, cool. That's I cool. I would love some great infrastructure. We are, our infrastructure. We have a real infrastructure. It's so <laughs> bad. Shit. Like, it's really bad. It's really bad. But Pete will help. Pete will help. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and Mayor Pete is a daddy. Yeah. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. Have, has there been any pictures? I haven't no, seen No, not that I've seen. I haven't gone like super deep yet, but at the time, mm -hmm. at the time of my discovery of the story, uh, there were no photos. Um, yeah, I had not seen so. any, That's that's oh, Look at us with triple good things. Ooh. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Pete Buttigieg has a baby. <laughs> good for the world. Great. <laughs> super. It's all going to be fine. <laughs> Because Pete and Chastin. <laughs> Maybe that baby will uh, solve global warming for us. And Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I could see that baby, you know, Doing being it. our wonder wall, being the baby that saves me. <laughs> well, good. good. Um, on that note, Feminist Without Mystique is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcast. See you next week. Bye, everyone.